Hello and welcome to Kicking Tires. My name is Jimmy. And I'm Justin. And today, Justin's not going to be fully here because he's going to be looking at Cayennes that he wants to buy. <laughs> but <laughs> we have some vehicles that we're going to talk about. Uh, Porsche dropped uh, the new, well, not really dropped. They dropped the track time for the GT4 RS. We'll talk about that. Uh, Genesis GV70, Motor Trends Car of the Year. There's some leaks on the full-size Range Rover, as well as the Honda Civic SI. We got the full details of that. So let's talk about the Cayman first, the GT4 RS. So first, I'm super surprised that they're coming out with an RS model of the GT4, because as we know, Porsche doesn't want the Cayman to you know, cast a shadow on their precious 911. But the GT4 RS, I think it kind of will. Like this is going to yeah. be a crazy vehicle. Because the lap time that they've they've released has has gone has gone and done that. It's beat every 991 short of the GT3 and the GT4 RS models. The GT3 is actually slower than the GT4 RS. Um, it beat the 918 hypercar. Now this is with. A bit of prep, obviously. There's Cup 2Rs, which weren't available when the 918 came around. Uh, my question is, is this chassis getting a little bit old? Hmm. Uh, in terms of, you know, we've seen the GD4 now. The GD4 is now <laughs> five years old, coming on six years, actually. So it's been a while. And the GD4 came out, you know, halfway through the 981 generation. And so... The 718 to me, even though it's a new chassis designation, uh, to me, it, you know, as desirable as that car is, it's, it's a little bit long in the tooth because you get inside and it's kind of the same interior from 2013. And so that's coming up on a decade. Uh, GD4 RS, you know, it is the most exciting, most uh, track focused of the Cayman street cars yet i would say um you know it's got the crazy wing it's got the crazy arrow this one's got the bucket seats you can take out oem radio delete probably even an ac delete it didn't mention that i don't think it has ducks on the uh the window right instead behind. of a the side window which makes sense because that window is pretty useless mm -hmm. um having driven a gd4 before it's that window is there I don't know, to let in light, perhaps, <laughs> but you can't see out of it when you're driving, re really. Um, but yeah, the time is quite impressive. The, yeah, it's, it's, it's up there with basically all the, the top supercars. So yeah. it definitely is impressive, but I just, I don't know. Like, the 911 is supposed to be their poster child, right? With this GT4 RS, I just feel like it is like they're finally allowing the Cayman to kind of knock the 911 off that podium a little bit. Like, I'm sure there's people that are still going to be buying 911s. That's, you know, Porsche's like actual kind of like sports car, right? But the GT4 RS, like the the balance of it, the the fact that it's lighter, the fact that it's 
fast. <laughs> it really is, you know, according to these lap times. You know, it is knocking that 911 off that podium a little bit. And I'm, I'm happy to see that. You know, I'm happy to see that Porsche is yes. finally letting go of the reins a little bit. Well, and I think the thing is, the 911 is now a GT car. It is a car for the masses. The Carreras, the, the Targas, the Turbos, these are all, you know, before when the RS was such a unicorn, and it still is a unicorn, um, these were what everyone bought to track, C2S, C4S. These are... You know, if you're if you're tracking an I eleven, chances are that's what you bring out. But nowadays you go to track day and it's like almost exclusively GT cars. Mm -hmm. Uh you get the occasional C2S, but there's not that many out there. Like the the guys that want to track a nine eleven typically just get the GT three. And the GT four RS does not really uh kind of overshadow that. You know, that's why the GT4 output was always about the same as a GT, no, not a GT, a C2S, because they didn't want to surpass the normal Carrera models. But those Carrera models are now your daily driver, commuter type cars. And, you know, the interior has been upgraded so much um, over the last decade, even. Uh, the car is just very approachable. And I think... I think that's kind of the direction that Carrera is moving, which is why they can let the, the GD4 undercut those cars in terms of performance. That's why they let you get the 718 GD4 now with the PDK. Um, that was kind of, they always nerfed it with that manual transmission, I think. The manual being infamously long for gearing, just not as competitive as it could be. Uh, ultimately, Porsche's out there to make a name for themselves. They, you know, the internal cannibalization is not you, when the competition is is getting stiff. When you've got cars like uh, AMG is now a, a legitimate player in making track cars. Like ten years ago, that wasn't an issue. Um, you know, no one took them too seriously. Corvettes now making mid-engine legitimate track cars. And again, it's now there's there's more fierce competition that you need to level up this car. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of leveling up, Genesis has won Motor Trend's SUV of the year with their brand new GV70. Um, this is actually just right in line because I had the GV70 just last week and it was a very enjoyable driving experience. Like the overall shape of the car, it's very pretty. It's very elegant. It has great power. Uh, the one that I had was the three and a half liter twin turbo V6. I think it was like 370, 80 horsepower, something like that, to shy of 400. It's plenty quick. It does zero to 60 in like five seconds or something like that. It's astonishingly quick. Um, and like the best part about it was the pricing. Um, yeah. We talked about a little bit of this off the air. Because the GV70, you can get one, a base model that's under 59 or 50,000, uh, 49,000 Canadian. And then the top trim, which is the one I got, was 75,000. Like, if you're thinking, oh, wow, 75,000 is a lot of money, you're not wrong. 
but if you compare it to BMW M or BMW X3 M40 uh, or the GLC 43, which is similar power, you're looking at 100K. Yeah. Right. So, like, if you're looking at this comparing to the Germans, which is where Genesis is fighting, they're twenty, thirty thousand dollars less than that. Yeah, you can legitimately get. You're you're basically moving up a step, right? Because you can get a decently equipped GV70 for about sixty k, which you can get a decently equipped, you know, Q3 or X1 for that price. But <laughs> you're definitely not getting into the same class for that kind of money mm-hmm. and even compared to an x1 that class of crossover uh the gv70 is still a better value in terms of the feature content that you get uh and not only that it's more unique car and all this stuff uh, yeah. so there's really it's really hard to fault this car and so it's no wonder that it's uh suv of the year yeah it's the even like if you compare base trim to base trim, it has so many features and the, the rates on them are actually fantastic. Um, lease rates and finance rates. What I actually really liked about it was the ability, like in Canada's for first five years, all scheduled maintenance is included and they will come pick up your car. So mm-hmm. you, you call up Genesis, be like, hey, there's a light that's on my dash that says service. It's like, oh, no problem, sir. Let me come and grab your car. I'll drop off something of yours or better for you while we service your vehicle. Because that's what they do. They come by. If you have a GV70, they're going to give you a GV70 or better. So like either drop off a GV70 or GV80 at your door and well, take yours and then service it and then bring it back. That's their service. If you want to buy one, test drive one, you call them, they bring it to you. I mean, yes, you can bring it to a Genesis or you can go to a Genesis dealer as well, but they don't really want you to do that. They want you to have that kind of white glove experience. I mean, kind of understand why, because most Genesis dealers are attached to a Hyundai dealer and they probably don't want you to be on the same lineup as, you know, the guy that paid $20,000 for their Hyundai Accent. They want to give you a little bit better treatment. That's why they're including that. Yeah, but another, you know, 2022, there is another car to consider aside from the Germans, which is the NX hybrid. Hmm. And I just looked at the pricing and I'm like, that's actually pretty competitive. So NX350 hybrid, which is very similar to what my RAV4 hybrid has as far as drivetrain. Uh, It's not the prime version, which is the 450H, but the normal hybrid, not that fast, you know, just right regular commuter car which will suit the needs for most people that car with the ultra luxury package is also sixty thousand dollars which that to me is like okay that is a decent that car you know is is gonna hold its value really really well uh if you can get your hands on i think the biggest thing is like if you drive that it'll feel like a japanese car Whereas if you drove the Genesis, it'll feel like a German car. I get that, but I think the people that typically buy an X3 or GLC don't really care. Actually, here's the thing. I, I talked to so I talked to a few of my friends that recently purchased uh, German vehicles um, in preparation for my 
Genesis GV70. They didn't want to, they didn't want to like see the car or anything like that. But they were interested when I told them that it felt German. Because like a lot of them, the biggest test for them is when you close the door, does it feel solid? And when you turn the wheel, does it feel solid? And the GV70 has that solid German feel. Whereas the Lexus, I haven't driven that one, but you know, haven't driven many Lexus in the past. It doesn't feel like that. It feels light. It feels airy. It's not like a bad thing, but it doesn't have that German quality to it. But I think when you look back at the sales figures, the NX kind of speaks for oh, itself. The sales figures are great, but like what I'm saying is like the, it won't take it away from people who want to buy those German vehicles. Like I don't know. The, the people that are looking at X3 and whatnot, they'll they'll keep buying those types of vehicles. I don't think people that's buying those for the way that it, a German vehicle feels would go towards an NX. I feel like that's what that's what BMW and Mercedes thought 10 years ago prior to the NX. Like, okay, there's the RX. The RX is a good value. The RX is a lot. The RX is doing the same thing. The RX is yeah. giving you a GLE or an X5 closer to an X5 size vehicle for the price of an X3. Now it's kind of in between, mm -hmm. but prior to that, like in the, in the 2000s, you're getting a, a similarly sized vehicle for uh, the, the one size down price point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, both these cars, just the market share is insane. You know, the NX has only been out for one generation. Yeah. And, and the amount of market share, this is this is what I mean. It's like you might you're talking about a niche buyer that actually cares about driving dynamics, but ten years ago when it was only Q5 X3, did Mercedes even have? I don't think Mercedes even had really anything here in North America to compete under the GLE. No, they didn't. Uh, oh, GLK, GLK. Sorry, yeah, GLK. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. So at that point, you know, everyone's like, okay, midsize or small midsize. I don't even know what you call it. Luxury SUV. It was only that to choose from. And then suddenly NX comes around, you know, they're like, oh, well, people, people looking for a German feeling car. Suddenly NX comes around, beats all of you guys, just slaps, you know. Yeah. And the so worst part that's is. That's what I mean is that's what really matters. The sales speak for themselves you're talking about a very small percentage of people that do care mm -hmm. but the market tells us that most people don't care the worst part is the the first gen nx like if you sat in the interior you'd be like huh this feels absolutely horrible oh if you got a base model with a tiny screen and like the analog <laughs> clock the digital analog clock like it was it was on the screen but then it, it's like a analog style like yeah that one is not that great but the fit and finish is still good on those oh, fit and finish is they great. do drive better than the rav4 it is more refined a lot, lot more refined um yeah you don't hear that 200 turbo either so i don't know for me it will still be hard to pick the genesis over an nx for sixty thousand dollars because i i know i can get an NX that I would like, uh, and especially the new one is, 
has been updated quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the new look is is pretty solid too. Um, yeah, that you can get the ultra luxury NX hybrid for sixty. I think it's pretty. It's compelling. It's compelling. Uh, yeah. 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 Not wrong. That is the only car I want to really point out if yeah. we're talking SUV of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would say so. I think the reason for this is the NX really wasn't fully out because you can't, but it's for the showrooms have none. They're still selling 2019 used ones because <laughs> they cannot, they cannot get any 2022s on a lot. Speaking of brand new SUVs, um, next week we're going to hear about the brand new Range Rover that's uh, supposed to be announced on the 26th. But like a sieve that you know Range Rovers are known for because you know they might rust a little bit. Uh, <laughs> there's tons of leaks. There's so many leaks on the next generation Range Rover. The pictures here on Jalopnik. I mean, do you even? Can you even tell it's a next gen Range Rover? They just like, smoothed it out. They give it the same <laughs> facelift that the Evoke got, that the kind of more Velar looking. It's just smoothed out. It looks basically the same. And then um, they slapped the rear end of the Cullinan on it, which is unrelated car, but tell it's you a ride. very, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the rear end is uh, polarizing. Let's yeah. say that. Um, the door handles, they now pop out of the side of the body like the Velar has. Um, let's be honest, you know, Range Rover has never been known for their electronics. Um, when I had the Velar, the door handles sometimes wouldn't work. And, you know, I'm sure they got better since then, because that was, I think, two years ago now. Um, but still, like, just so many electronics in there. Like, do you really want that in your kind of off-road SUV? But a Range Rover is no longer that, right? It's more like a luxury SUV. Um, and looking at the interior photos, it looks really fancy. It has like a iPad swivel-like screen that comes out. It's uh, it looks good. Oh, and there's a potentially a third row option now because there's a photo of uh, a woman sitting in what looks to be the third row of the uh, the new Range Rover. Nice. Yeah, third row seats never been Land Rover's kind of strong suit, but um, yeah, it makes sense that the range full size range gets a third row option. That will make it compete more directly with the GLS uh, and the X7. Uh, this will probably be priced a little bit higher than that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Overall looks, I think yeah. it looks good. But I also think the current Range Rover looks good. Yeah, the so current like, one is timeless. Like it's been around for almost a decade. Yeah, uh, and it's still it. Well, this looks ninety nine percent the same. It, it really fair. does. It really uh, does. <laughs> but I like that they they've kind of embraced the luxury side a bit because they they have their hardcore off road model, and you can basically choose. You know. If you want to go off road and you can, while well, you want luxury, you have a whole spectrum now of rovers to choose from. I don't, right? I don't think they have a full spectrum though. Like even their most off road friendly one is pretty luxurious. 
Yes, but a lot more rugged with the plastics and the materials that they choose. Right. Um, you know, if you really want, and that's the thing, is that they don't need, before you had the choice of, okay, either a tractor or you get the full-size range, <laughs> right? So now that you've got a real option that, that will meet the, the luxury requirements for most people, then the Range Rover can go soft. Right. And then all the reviews are going to be, taking this generation off-road, I'm just going to predict it now. And they're going to be like, you think this generation has gone soft? And then they go do something like impressive off-road, which really is not that impressive because like half the crap I can do in my RAV4 hybrid too. <laughs> um, yeah, but then some journalist is going to think, oh, this is, uh, everyone's talking about how this generation is uh, gone soft. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Journalists are very predictable. <laughs> the, the rear end of the Range Rover in this white looks really weird. Um, <laughs> it's because... very pinched off, and it's, it's just strange. Like, it has that teardrop you know from top down it would be like very teardroppy yeah yeah it looks it needs to be boxier it looks really odd uh because the taillights is blacked out and there's this blacked out piece that goes across the rear it it looks like manchu yeah i was just gonna say it looks like a mustache or something it's super odd uh but i guess we'll we'll see it next week in full and we'll be able to judge a little bit more and tell you more about the new range rover but for this week the biggest news is the brand new 2022 Civic Si. Love um, it or hate it. So we talked about the Civic last week and the week before. We talked about Civic a lot. Uh, the new Civic is more grown up. It's longer. It's wider. It's more comfortable. It's more luxurious, or maybe not luxurious. It's just, it has better materials than the old one. It, it is step- more luxurious. Compared to tension. Uh, Compared to, yeah, yeah. But it's not luxurious, like, overall. But, yeah. um, So the the Civic Si, you know, the tension, which is the last one, it had 205 horsepower and 192, I think, pound-feet of torque. The new one has the same amount of torque. So peak torque has the same. Has five less horsepower, now to 200. So what they say is the power is more available than before. So it's more broad. So the torque range is broader. So you get uh, the 192 from 1800 all the way to 5000, which is more than last gen. The uh, flywheel is lighter, so it should be more responsive. They say it's 26% lighter than previous, which makes it 30% of a reduction with inertia. They talk about the torsion rigidity, which is increased by 8%. Bending rigidity is increased by 13%. It's a 1.4 longer or inch longer wheelbase. It's the longest in its class. Spring rates has been increased. 8% in the front, 54 in the rear. Ooh. That's a lot in the rear. Uh, sway bars are 27 mil hollow in the front, 18 mil solid in the rear. And they use compliance bushings from the Civic Type R. There's bigger brakes as well compared to the regular models. So there's definitely a few upgrades from the regular model compared to the SI. We ex- or Sorry, from the EX or Touring model, which we expected. But one thing that they left out is adaptive dampers. 
the 10th gen, when you put it into sport mode, it firms up the dampers and it was noticeable. But you don't get that with the 11th. They took it out. Yes, I don't mind that. I On the Type R, I do feel the difference between Comfort, Sport, and R. But I get that the, the SI is kind of the tuner model, right? And adaptive dampers always is an obstacle. Uh, whenever you want to do coilovers, shocks, stuff like that. Um, because, you know, typical coilover entry level, maybe 1,000 to 1,500 US for a you know, respectable callover. And then you have to slap an extra $400 module to cancel out the adaptive damper issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that's the thinking behind it. I think with a good tune set of shocks, uh, it will be fine without adaptive dampers. Like the Supra has adaptive damping. It feels exactly the same in both modes. Like it's a marginal at best increase like 10 15 percent right and the thing that drove me nuts about the type r is that you can't do an individual mode so you can't do like mm, comfort right. shocks with uh aggressive throttle throttle response. mapping yeah 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 but i guess the big thing with the 2022 si that everyone is hung up about is the 200 horsepower number i think everything else we, we love and then we see the 200 horsepower and then we're like uh that's it. Because 15 years ago, we were at 197 yeah. horsepower, running a 0 to 60 time under 7 seconds, 6.7 high sixes. I think we're around the same here mm-hmm. uh, if we're leaving it stock. So straight line speed is not going to be that impressive, even though the torque, brand, torque band is a lot broader than obviously at 8th gen or 9th gen Civic. Mm-hmm. Um you know, people are upset about that, that it's not getting the power increase. But again, that's a tuner car. It's, I think that's why the SI is the way it is, is you can do whatever you want to it. We'll let you, you know, you can, if you want to make this 300 horsepower, make it 300 horsepower. If you want to slap coilovers on it, slap coilovers on it. And then we're going to show you what we can do with our type R. With the 75 um, R, yeah. Yeah, and well, and some people are saying, okay, they're they're just they're just keeping this uh, slower because they they need to leave room for the Integra. Yeah. Um, you know, they That's gotta keep the Integra exciting because in, that, if the Integra only has two hundred horsepower, then it's like me, then there's no point. Yeah. So like that's exactly what I was thinking because like we know the Integra is coming out. We know the Integra is based off the Civic Si. We know that the Integra has um, a lot of the qualities of the Civic because in all the leaks so far, uh, the spy shots and everything that they have shown us, it's a Civic SI. Even, we don't know if it's kind of hatchbacky or if it's sedan because like in their the, the illustration that they showed, it's a hatch, but it's longer. So like I'm thinking, did it use like the sedan type rear end, but they made it like a hatch? You know what I mean? So that it's like a more of a, a sportier line than the hatchback would be. It's hard mm-hmm. to say. It you know we don't know exactly what's going to be until it comes out, but we know that the shifter is exact same because we're looking at this picture of this shifter versus the Integra leak or not leak the release of the six speed. It's the exact same shifter. 
right? So yeah. Honda, when they're making the Integra and they're making the Civic at the same time, because this is going to be exact same, they had to leave room for the Integra. I'm sure they could have made this with more power. We know that 1.5 can make more power. Like you guys at Overdrive, you guys did a tune uh, for a client of yours. And it made like, was it 220 or something like that? It's like plus 30 or plus 40 horse, like pretty easy. Yeah. On the regular 1.5s. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, yeah. we know that it can make more power, but Honda left that on the table because the Integra had to be better. That's what I think. Well, and I think the SI, yeah, it's about being a tuner car and it's about the feel because. They they have to get that's why they're doing stuff like giving it a different flywheel and you know I'm sure that the engine tuning is a little bit different where you trade off a little bit of that peak power for you know just being more fun to drive on a daily basis. If you want the track special, you get the type R. But for a fun, respectable, practical sports sedan, I guess this is this is how they imagined the SI to be. And I think the SI always was this way. And I think a lot of us don't remember the time anymore pre-Type R. You know, that's what we grew up with as our sporty Civic. You're thinking of this like is... the 2000 SIR, the EM1s? Yeah, EM1, 8th gen, even the 9th gen, before the 10th gen. Mm-hmm. You know, now that we have the Type R, it's like, okay, not everything lives in the shadow of the Type R. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I don't think EM1 SIR is, like, pants on fire compared no. to uh, the regular, you know, sport model. It, it was SI versus SIR. It was just loud. Yeah, I so, remember the VTEC crossover was loud. Yeah. I like <laughs> I like what they've done here, um, but the elephant in the room is really the competition, right? Right. We talked about the WRX um, not too long ago. The WRX has a pretty upgraded interior as well. I like what they've done with the the red accents on this interior. I think it it just makes it look a lot more interesting. I, mm-hmm. I like the regular Civic interior too, but. Um, yeah, the the WRX is kind of the elephant in the room because the WRX is cheap. Well, historically speaking, we don't know exactly what the new one's priced at, but you can always get one for about mid thirties Canadian, and yeah. that's a lot of car for the money. Like it's a fun. I would still say that like you could get a twenty twenty one WRX. It's still like a pretty good car for the money mm-hmm. for thirty five k. The full load is like 38, but you just get a sport. Uh, it, it's it's going to be, I don't think they're going to change it that much. I remember when the WRX was my dream car back in grade four, it was 34 <laughs> grand and they've kept it there. So I don't see that changing much, uh, but now we're getting an upgraded motor and all this stuff, weird fender flares. But <laughs> as weird as a WRX is, it is such a performance bargain. Yeah. And out of the box, it's going to have what 40% more power than this SI. Oh, talking about 30 to 40%. Um, more power. So, okay, so the Civic SI, the one of the biggest ones, of course, is the WRX. Um, but with the WRX, with it being all wheel drive, it's not like the you know, the next comparable. I think the next comparable is that Jetta GLI. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the GLI is priced lower than the Civic SI. It should be. And the Jetta GLI, I mean, if you're saying, oh, the Jetta's boring looking, the Civic is basically there. They look the same. They look very As we've very covered similar. before, they're, they have the same rear three quarter. They, they're yeah. almost identical, right? And then the GLI gets you a more powerful two liter turbo engine as well. And that two liter turbo is also very, very friendly in the tuner scene. You can definitely make more power on that. Yeah. And you can still get that with the six speed and you can get a DSG, which is a huge yeah. advantage because it gets more people into that car. And it has that limited slip diff as well. Like yeah. the GLI makes sense. It makes yeah, so much sense. Yeah, the SI is very like, you have to want that car. Like you're making a, a very informed and directed decision to get the SI. Now I'm not saying it's the wrong decision because you get into, you hop into SI, you feel the clutch, you feel the shifter. And it's like, you got, you hop into GLI and it's like, oh, this is rubbery mush. Yeah. Uh, I. Once you drive it, you get it, but a lot of people will not get it um, with the SI. <laughs> and I don't, I never, I didn't understand attention SI because frankly, I wanted the hatch only. Like, I don't really care for the Sen and I really don't care for what the 10th gen coupe looked like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just a mess. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, so, yeah, sedan, I think that's where the Integra really plays in. I'm, I am more excited about the Integra, but seeing what they've done to the SI now, I like what that means for the Integra. Because if if all these upgrades carry over to the Integra, but with a little bit more power um, and a little bit nicer interior and exterior and a hatch, like, damn, that is going to be one compelling car. But it's going to be 40 grand. It will be, but I think 40 grand is, is a fair price to ask for. Forty thousand dollars something, something like that. Yeah, I mean, here, here's another car that some people might kind of throw into the ring. Um, when you're th- talking about sporty cars, one of the biggest names is, of course, the GR86. GR86, yes, I know it's smaller. Yes, I know it's two doors, but GR86 has more power. It's been proven already with that chassis, that new motor. It's well, the same price as well. So, like, I, I there's not going to be that many people cross-shopping the two, I don't think. I think it's the age thing. Like, if you're a potential dad, you can't even really look at the GR86. Like, unless that's your second or third car, Yeah, the GR86 is, is out of the, the, the running. If yeah. you're a dad of someone that's four years and older, the GR86 isn't that bad because you have forward-facing seats, which you can do in the GR86 comfortably. Mm-hmm. Rearward facing, you really can't. But I get what you mean. Um, speaking of dad and becoming an old man, my review of this week. <laughs> perfect, perfect segue. So uh, just this week, I posted the review for the uh, 2021 Mercedes E450, which is a class that only Mercedes makes. Yeah. There is nothing out there. Uh, BMW, Audi, nothing makes a mid-size convertible because no one really buys it. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> this car was, um, it's basically $100,000 uh, aspect 
but it's absolutely beautiful inside. Like, yes, I know it's not an S-Class, but this interior, like, just, just look at this beige on burl wood on black, or sorry, the, the blue interior. It's absolutely beautiful. Very classy. It's like a yacht, you know. It's a very it's, yacht yachty car. Yeah, like a little yachty. <laughs> even the steering wheel is quite yachty <laughs> it's, like it's very nautical I, I i enjoy this car quite a bit i actually drove this up to whistler um fuel economy under 10 liters per 100 kilometers inline six with the eq system was great on uh on on fuel it was great on um power like this is that new nine speed right yes yeah i love that gearbox like yeah. i drove on the highway and then if you want to pass it drops from nine to like third gear so quickly yeah and this just hustles yeah it, it's it's crazy it's uh the first good mercedes automatic in a long time <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's what i was surprised about was so i went when I went up, it was raining a little, so I had the roof up. Super quiet. It's like, yes, it's a soft top, but it's like so well layered, insulated. Quad layered. Yeah. I don't know. It's like super heavy, thick. There's even like an LED dome light in the center, which I didn't expect because generally you wouldn't have anything in the middle. But like, it was so quiet going up. And then when it came, like when I came back down from Whistler, I was like, ah, oh, you know, what this kind of nice. Let's give it a shot. So I had the top down, windows up, along with the kind of deflector that's in the front uh, on the A-pillar, as well as the deflector that's in the rear. Quiet. Like, I had normal conversation with my wife while sitting inside a car. No problem whatsoever. It was so comfortable. Like, I just, I absolutely love this car. Oh, you never buy one. I think. I no, I won't. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not a vehicle that I would buy simply because it doesn't make sense in my life. To but, me, the, the problem with it is it the E-Class two-door just makes no sense to me. Like They look cool. like They look a little bit nicer, a lot classier than the C-Class. But then just I don't really know what you're paying the extra... Twenty thousand for to go up to this class, and I th I think I've had this feeling since the CLK. The CLK was always positioned a lot higher than the equivalent three series Cabrio, hmm. right? And and especially when the three series when they came out with the hard top convertible for a reasonable price, it was like, why is the CLK twenty thousand dollars more than that? I can't tell you where the money comes from. And then now that the new four series convertible got that cool roof and everything, same size back seat. You're not really getting a roomier back seat with the E class no, the back than a four sucked. series. The four series convertible, at least the previous generation, kind of usable back seat. Your your it's, friend has one, right? Yeah, it's just as usable as this. Like I sat yeah. inside. I'm like I'm I'm fully upright. It's like a 90 degree back. Yes, rest. the angle is awkward, but the leg room is actually like. Better I was than, I was able to sit in the back of five eleven. Yeah, I, better than a lot of thir three row SUVs. <laughs> the <laughs> third like the row, three row SUVs. Yeah. <laughs> so somehow. the 
E class, that's it's a it's a basically is ninety thousand um, dollars. That's where it starts. Uh, C class, it's sixty thousand dollars. So it's thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, like but, that is. But uh... if you think about it this way, an S class is one hundred and seventy four. It's a bargain when you're comparing to an S class. Oh, but I I don't know the S is. The S is really nice. Like, but the S but, is the S is a bargain compared to Continental. <laughs> That's the problem. We just keep we just keep raising the bar. Yeah, it's like uh, it, you don't get that. Like, my my neighbor saw it right. So my neighbor's like, "Oh, I didn't know you were sixty years old." Like, <laughs> there's no getting away from it. Um, it is an old man's car, especially in the color that I got, the silver with the blue. It's an old man's car, but it's it's such an elegant, beautiful dream of a vehicle. It rode so comfortably. I, I, I didn't want to give it back. That's how good it was. I, I just can't get over Mercedes styling. Just, I think they look fine, but it's just too repetitive oh the outside looks like any other car it looks like any other mercedes the wheels yeah. look like any other mercedes the, like i swear <laughs> they've been using the wheel that your press car has for last 10 years like i'm sure they have. amg style it's just i don't know to me but it wasn't about the exterior it was about this amazing interior. the top-down experience is but clarkson said this um in one of his reviews when he did I, I, I think he even drove in this or some other supercar that had a convertible. It doesn't matter. When you have the top down, that experience alone like already blows you away. Like You can be in a Miata and you can still have just an amazing experience because it is convertible. But when the top was up, I didn't know it was a convertible. That was that was the part. Because like in this, the 4 Series, I knew it was a convertible because Every single like um, road imperfection, the roof was like mm-hmm. shimmying and shaking, and I can hear the creaking from it. But this was silent, and I drove on some rough roads with the top up. It was silent. It was so good. Yeah, I, I get that. I think, yeah, I just wish it just looked a bit more. Hundred thousand oh. dollars, like <laughs> you can I'm get. Paying, yeah, you can get the E fifty three AMG then that then you get slightly more aggressive front and rear bumpers and quad exhaust tips out back. Yeah. My next door neighbor has the coupe of mm. this, I think maybe a year or two old. And I just don't understand the coupe. It's like, <laughs> I want, I want the bigger version of the, 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 the coupe because yeah, like compared to a C coupe, it looks the same. That's, that's my obstacle with the coupe is that I can't, even tell what the difference is uh, <laughs> between those two cars, but one is one is twenty to thirty thousand dollars more for. It's yeah. the the front end. I can see it. The rear on the C class is definitely different than the E. Yeah, it's a little bit pinched yeah. compared to this one. Yeah, I don't know. Not my cup of tea. Yeah. Um. What's kind of weird as well is the E class. Um. You can't get the sixty three anymore. It's only available with the same inline six. The 450 as well as the 53 has the same inline six. Hmm. Um, one is like the mild hybrid one? Uh, no, they're both mild hybrid. Oh. It's just the 53 is tuned. 
by AMG to make more power. And... 429 over 362. So, yeah. But either way, it's not a vehicle that you know a lot of people are that interested in. But yeah, before I'm we... curious what the sales figures are for them to even justify having a press car for it. <laughs> I, yeah, they, they probably like, hey, might as well. We have nothing else better. How this Mercedes time. can do this? They keep making like the niche cars that everyone has left the market. <laughs> like and the then SLC. they're like, we're going to keep making these. The SLC, the new SL, is it just an SL now? I think so, yeah. Well, yeah. there's a new SL coming. Yeah, yeah, that the new one that looks like half decent compared to the old one. That well, the old one looked like they took the front end and rear end of a new Mercedes and just plop it onto the old SLs because yeah. it just it doesn't flow with the middle portion of the car. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, before we end this uh, this webinar today, not webinar. What am I talking about? <laughs> webinar. <Whoa. laughs> We're learning podcasts. We're this podcast today. Do we have any updates for people for our off-road vehicle? off-road rig? I think we we looked at a few. One of the top contenders. Let's let's go through some of the top contenders and why they are there. But we're still open to other suggestions. We're not we're not uh, set on anything whatsoever at this mm-hmm. point. But one of them, I think, is the pilot, um, the first generation pilot. Uh, you mentioned must have the towing package for the oil coolers. And I don't know. I think that car makes a lot of sense in terms of the value because they're cheap. Like even compared to a CRV, used pilots are cheaper somehow. Uh, It's a very roomy car. Um, So, you know, you can put a lot of stuff, you can camp in that, no problem. Uh, And it's a J series. So it is true to your roots. Um, I know how to modify it. Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I like the look of the first gen pilot too. It looks kind of more rugged as well, especially compared to a CRV yeah. of that same generation. Um, so pilot, pilots up there because they're cheap. They're, they're four to five grand and you get a lot of car for the money, I feel like. Right. Uh, what else? Uh, we were looking at a Volkswagen Touareg, the first Touareg. generation. Yeah, Touareg first gen, preferably a, a six-cylinder one. V6, yeah. Yeah, uh, without air suspension. It's just one less thing to break. <laughs> it's just, yeah, uh, lower maintenance if possible. Those are tanks. Like, they, they drive like a tank. Not, not that they're they're bulletproof in terms of reliability, but they're, they're very nice to drive. Uh, very over-engineered car, but you do get why you know that german engineering that is that and the cayenne are are kind of very definitive in that sense the q7 kind of poo poo i think <laughs> right like yeah i i don't like the interior of the q7 um although has not aged very yeah, well as much as i like the q7 for the extra size um so like camping it it would be actually half decent but like i just that interior that mmi interface yeah, Doesn't especially the good. first generation. Yeah, and and the the used car market has been very honest about that. The Q7 uh, is not a cheap car, brand new, but always Touregs have been sold for higher used than yeah. Q7s. Like There's... I don't remember a time in history when a Touareg was not worth more money. Yeah, just as an example, there's like actually a bunch of 
actually it might be the same ad but there's a few of them that's like six grand for q7s uh but Toreg's like they're about eight nine ten yeah <laughs> uh another contender is basically anything jeep from the early 2000s somehow jeep i guess it, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that jeep being the off-road brand they have the most off-road capable vehicles and like it's not even the ones that you it's not just the wrangler like the grand cherokee is like very capable for for that class of vehicle it's mm-hmm. a very capable car the the liberty which was kind of a joke at the time is also very capable you know it's got proper off-road tech in there that you don't find in anything else of that price range or or in that segment at uh of that time and and they're also cheap uh grand cherokee is not as cheap but there are a lot of liberties under six thousand dollars um it's a lot to choose from early 2000 grand cherokees aren't too bad um Mm -hmm. and there's some like kind of shoddy looking ones that it's for sale for like two three grand which could work um but when we're talking about Jeep, we're also a little worried about just the reliability. Like we want to go out there and have fun, but we also want to come home. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we yeah. know, of course, the four liter inline six of those are pretty indestructible. Yeah. And the WJs, <laughs> the WJs, which is that, yeah, that 99 to 04, 05-ish generation, solid front and rear axles. Like that is a... That is a very capable vehicle, but part of me thinks, okay, that is too capable. Because if we go out there and we 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 mess around in a Wrangler Foreigner, that was that is exactly not the point that we want to do. I feel like it, it kind of is against our mission. Like we we just want to build something that like is more civilian, but you know, just show people, okay, this is this is. Uh, you know, you don't need two solid axles. You don't need limited slip differentials. And, you know, it's really hard to say no for the money because under $5,000, you can get that with a WJ Generation Grand Cherokee. Right. But that kind of defeats the purpose. I think it's more to like, hey, let's all get out there. Let's all have fun. We don't need to take kind of a more compromised vehicle with a big gas guzzling V8 to to enjoy ourselves off-road. Um, with a little bit of time and effort, we can make anything somewhat fun and capable. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what else do we have on the list? Anything Suzuki? <laughs> yeah. We were looking at Suzuki's like the Grand Vitaras, but Grand Vitaras are very priced, expensive. Priced a lot higher than it really should. Uh, the only Suzuki that's within our price range is the XL7, which is yes. compromised by its own way because it's longer. It's not really that comfortable like very simple layout those. i just had one in the shop two days ago put it up on the hoist like the car was just in for tires i'm just like i'm just gonna put it up and see what's going on and i'm like oh this is a really simple car uh yeah it's it's very easy to work on that car um so but not the, mm-hmm. i think what we found was the aftermarket support was quite limited on that um like i found uh, spacers for the suspension. From but a Omad lot of people modify the the sidekicks and the trackers, and aren't they basically the same? 
but I just think it's the weight difference between the two. Uh, so true. like that might have a, a small effect on it. Um, other than that, we also look at Jimmy's and Blazers, but they're surprisingly expensive. They're or, yeah, they're also quite they're more expensive than Grand Cherokees, which is like yeah, I don't think they're a better built card, nor are they more capable. So why are they more expensive? Because the Grand Cherokee <laughs> has a nicer interior, more power more capable <laughs> it was only the newer versions the envoys and the trail blazers that's cheaper mm. um but but those are so low to the ground exactly it's those kind are... of concerning <clears throat> yeah um yeah. and then what else did we find i think that's really it highlander first generation yeah but surprisingly good clearance and big tires from factory 29 inch tires uh not not too many out there um under for some like i mean it's a toyota at the end of the day and because highliner slash rx 330 somehow but people know they're reliable which means that they're priced high like the cheapest highlander on craigslist right now is seven thousand dollars i thought i thought we had one like forty five hundred bucks or so may have had one but not anymore (laughs) yeah um but yeah those you can lift and put a pretty decent sized tire on and pretty you know that's a camry camry motor it's not that complicated yeah uh <laughs> a lot of x trails in our budget <laughs> yeah but the x trail is just i think it's a little small for what we're looking for we're looking for something a little bit bigger than the x trail um same goes with like the mitsubishi outlander the first gen and second gen it's just yeah um and of course the Newer ones of the Outlander, they all had CVTs, which we really don't want for an off-road rig. Um, CVTs just generally, in you know, they don't work well. Um, yeah, I There's, don't. It's mind, the opposite of a low gear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind a Pathfinder or an Xterra, mm. uh, but the Pathfinders that we're looking at, they're just they're they're all rotted out. They really are. And then the Xterra, I can't get the second gen. I don't really want the first one because the first one's quite weak. Um, and then the second one had the transmission issues that you know plagued that generation as well. So yeah, we're still looking for suggestions. If you see anything on Craigslist, Auto Trader, whatever it may be, uh, shoot me a message. And quite a few of you actually had sent me messages through Instagram. Certainly appreciate it. Um, I got a few Honda elements that was sent to me and I was like, I really don't want an element. The elements gas tank, it's the lowest point of the car. It has a little like <laughs> two inch thick pipe wrapped around it, kind of. It's not it doesn't two protect inches. you against it's like it a quarter against rocks whatsoever. <laughs> but uh you can you can zip tie like a, a flat piece of metal <laughs> underneath it. And that will be something. No uh, if it's if it's going to be an element, that gas tank's getting removed and getting put inside the cabin. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, part of me still wants to stick with something very underdoggy, right? Like a, a Grand Vitara and trackers. Like we know these are capable vehicles. We know anything Jeep is capable. It's it kind of I want to go more civilian, um, but I do want all wheel drive in some capacity. It doesn't necessarily have to have a low range or lock, locking center diff and stuff like that, but uh, I do want all wheel drive. But yeah. Well, 
I guess that really concludes the, today's podcast. Yeah. Is there else? any vehicle we are missing? Let us know, audience. And uh, I guess we'll catch you next week. Perfect. Thanks, everyone.